You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, Browns fans, and welcome to your Locked On Browns podcast. I'm your host, Jared Mueller. Thank you for stopping in on this We Can't Win a Game Monday. And welcome to the Locked On Podcast Network, the fastest growing podcast network in the nation. So welcome into what we're doing here. Again, we try to give you the uh, Monday through Friday daily on-demand Cleveland Browns sports information. And so obviously today the, the discussion uh, starts with uh, the huge loss uh, to the New England Patriots, probably the worst loss of the year for the Browns, a game where the team didn't really look competitive even. And I think that's really the biggest issue that many Browns fans and media and, and the like kind of see is we all kind of expected the Browns to lose the game uh, with Tom Brady returning. It just seemed um, evident that it was just going to be a game that didn't go well for the Browns. The problem is 33 points isn't all that terrible against the New England Patriots with a vengeful Tom Brady throwing for 406 yards on 28 of 40 passing and three touchdowns. We expected that. We expected a huge breakout game from New England. We expected their offense just to be clicking, especially after the big loss to the Buffalo Bills the week prior. The Browns didn't seem to stand a chance. And Defensively, to be honest, when we look at some of their rushing information, at least there we can feel a little bit better about what we've done. LeGarrette Blount, who's had some big games already this season, had 18 attempts. So again, he's getting the ball pretty regularly and for a big back, that's important. Uh, But only 37 yards, he had the one touchdown and a long of 13 yards. Uh, White, their backup, uh, five attempts, 26 yards, a long of eight. Foster, uh, came in kind of for some late game action when the game was out of hand, six attempts for 17 yards, and then you had Brady two for 14. And so overall, the Browns' rush defense actually looked a lot better. Uh, the, even when the uh, the Patriots were trying to kind of run out the game and kind of run the clock a little bit as the game got out of hand, uh, the Browns were still able to kind of control their rushing game. Obviously, they didn't control Brady at all. So Chris Hogan had four for 114. Gronk had five for 109. Uh, Bennett had six for 67 and three touchdowns. We couldn't really tackle anybody. You look at um, even White had 63 yards on four catches. And you look at the long catches. You had 30 or 63 yards for Hogan, 37 for Gronk and Bennett, 36 for White. Uh, Edelman's long was 12. And so uh, the passing defense just couldn't get it done. Um, part of that's because the pass rush couldn't get there. So we had the one sack on Brady by Jamie Meter where he barely got him at the ankles, was able to pull him down. We did get a couple hits on, on Tom Brady, but really not enough to really make the impact needed in the passing game. And then when the ball was out, uh, again, Ray Horton's defense gave up a ton of yards to either the backs or the fullbacks going out into the flats or to receivers and tight ends uh, kind of going over the middle as crossers. They just couldn't stop uh, something that they can never stop or haven't have rarely been able to stop in Ray Horton's style of defense, which tries to get pressure with exotic blitzes up front uh, and then kind of deep coverage in the back end, but tends to leave that, that middle crossing area open as well as the flats. And so uh, Tom Brady 
Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick know how to take advantage of things, and they did against the Browns to the tune, again, of 406 yards on 28 of 40 passing, three touchdowns, spreading the ball all over the place, and making the Browns look bad. So since football season's here and the Browns are terrible, get into the action and play like the pros at mybookie.net. It's the most exciting online experience for sports fans. MyBookie features real Vegas odds and incredible player props on every football game. Did the game already kick off? MyBookie has live in-games with odds updated in real time. It's never too late to make a play. They've optimized it for their smartphone users for nonstop action on the go. Go online now. Type in MyBookie, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, in your browser and sign up today. Use my promo code BROWNS. Again, that's my promo code BROWNS to be entered into their million-dollar prize pool. Or you can just call 844-722-2387. Again, call 844-722-2387, and you can join the thousands of online players already playing. Only the biggest, only the best, only at my bookie. Sign up today. Use my promo code BROWNS to be entered into their million-dollar prize pool. Again, that's mybookie.net, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.net. It's the most exciting online experience for sports fans. So what do Browns fans have to be excited about after this game? I'd say not much. It's an unfortunate statement, and it's not one that I like to do as kind of that Browns optimist, always looking for the positives. We had the one touchdown drive early in the game, which which really was exciting. It looked like the Browns were kind of putting something together, kind of had an idea of what they wanted to do, uh, getting the ball kind of all over the place, uh, which ended up in that uh, really well-designed with Terrell Pryor up top, kind of taking the double coverage, taking the safety. And on the wide side of the field, Andrew Hawkins working out of the slot, uh, going to, uh, to the flag. Uh, it was just something great to see, a lot of open space. Kessler hit Hawkins perfect. We know Hawk can run great routes. So all in all, just a really good drive. The problem was the Browns couldn't get the the Patriots off the field. And so uh, score after score, stress after stress. um, And then we have the Kessler injury uh, as he throws the ball basically out of bounds, trying to get it to Duke Johnson while pressure was coming up the middle. And that's the problem with a rookie quarterback. A seasoned veteran is going to see that play coming, uh, is going to change the protection, maybe even change the play. Unfortunately, Kessler didn't. And so he knew his back was going out into the route um, and that he didn't have enough blockers, but didn't make the adjustments at the line of scrimmage necessary. And it was just a huge blow. The Browns had responded to New England's first touchdown with their touchdown. New England scored again. It's going to happen. And then the Browns, get stuck on the four-yard line, and struggle, right? And so while they're in a position to, to respond again and with a long drive, hopefully, they just aren't able to do that. And so um, after a nine-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, two plays going backwards for negative 12 yards and the safety, just a tough way to go. And so what am I excited about? I'm excited that the Browns and Browns fans got to see what a real quarterback looks like. While the team was getting beat by Tom Brady all over the field, a lot of those throws and a lot of things that you saw were plays that no matter how good of coverage the Browns, especially Christian Kirksey, who got beat a lot, but really had really solid coverage on either Gronk or Bennett, 
how a, a quarterback like Tom Brady, who can place the ball wherever he wants it to be, can really change what a team looks like. And so Brady did that. And that's something that Browns fans um, aren't used to seeing. They're not used to seeing a quarterback who really is in control of the game. Brady didn't win the game because he had a huge arm. So when we look at the NFL draft and look at the type of players that the Browns want, Browns fans often point to big arm, Ben Roethlisberger, six foot four, six foot five, which again is nice. And they talk about it because in cold weather, you need to have that big guy. Tom Brady is, is tall, but he's not this thick monster Ben Roethlisberger, Camp Newton type of guy. The same way Aaron Rodgers is not that big, strong, tough guy with the big arm. Instead, both of them are cerebral, talented players who can put the football really anywhere they want it to go. And so, and both play in very, very cold weather states, New England and Green Bay. Both play outdoors and both have some of their best games when it's snowy, when it's windy, because they do have a big enough arm to kind of get it through the weather. But really their talent comes from, and their ability to succeed comes from how they place the ball, their mechanics, and their understanding of football. Cody Kessler has shown some of that accuracy, but again, has a lot of development to do. He may be the quarterback of the future, not because he's great, but because he's good enough to keep the Browns from having to draft that guy early in the next year draft. And the question really is, is is that guy out there? Is Deshaun Watson, one of my personal favorites, is he struggling because of Clemson's system and the pressure on him and some of those kind of things? Or is he just not good enough? Was last year kind of a fluke where we saw a guy who can run, but really he's all about playing from the pocket, cerebral passer, someone who get the ball downfield, has a good enough arm. And then this year he's just kind of fallen off. Then we have Deshaun Kaiser. So again, two Kaisers, or two Deshaun, sorry. And so... He's someone who kind of jumped out onto the field um, with his play at Notre Dame, um, beating out Malik Zaire, showing that he had this big arm and this big size, was able to put the ball over the place, and was able to um, really show um, a lot of touch on the ball as well as that deep ball accuracy. So he really drew a lot of attention and then has struggled. And so while Many are were excited about him. He struggled recently. Now, obviously, this last game that was played in a soup bowl, literally during a hurricane, we can't take a lot from that. But he has struggled. And the other issue with him for me is there are very, 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 very few, and it's hard to figure out who they are. Um, have to do a little bit more research to figure out if any redshirt sophomore quarterbacks who have come out and been successful in the NFL. The two that are kind of the highest profile are Mark Sanchez and Josh, Johnny Manziel. Um, Sanchez and Manziel both flamed out, again, for different reasons, but neither of them were really franchise guys. Part of that has to do with their ability to kind of break things down, understand uh, football and defenses and all those kind of things. And the third quarterback coming out that everybody has kind of been talking about, kind of that flavor of the month, kind of that Paxton Lynch, all of a sudden, kind of coming out of nowhere, is Mitch Trubisky, Trubisky uh, from North Carolina. And so 
uh, a, a big quarterback, six, six foot three, 220 pounds, uh, has a lot of people excited with his big arm, his ability to make plays. Again, he struggled last week. Uh, the Carolinas only uh, scored three points against Virginia Tech, but again, another kind of weather game. He went 13 for 33 with only 58 yards, and many Browns fans are going to assume automatically he's not the guy, even though he threw for over 400 yards the last three games. And so uh, Kaiser, Watson, and Trubisky kind of are going to grab a lot of the attention. It's whether or not the Browns see them as that guy, that top 10, 15 level quarterback that they didn't see in Carson Wentz that they thought was going to be there in Jared Goff. Is there that guy? If not, Cody Kessler uh, has shown some good accuracy, has shown the ability to kind of manage a football game. Uh, Again, I think his ceiling might be Andy Dalton. But Andy Dalton is better than anything we have seen in Cleveland for a long time. I just wouldn't let Andy Dalton keep me from drafting the guy if I thought Kaiser Watson, Trubisky, or somebody else could and would be that guy. That's for the Browns, for an office, Hugh Jackson, really to make that decision. But for Browns fans, watching Tom Brady, who, again, has not been Big Ben or Cam Newton or any of those big quarterbacks that they tend to talk about, that's the kind of quarterback that can really be successful for a long time. And that's the kind of quarterback that Hugh Jackson loves. Accuracy, mental game, uh, the ability to make a little bit of plays with his feet is always going to be a bonus for Hugh but he loves a quarterback who can be accurate, get the ball out on time, get the ball out quickly. So even when the offensive line is struggling, plays can still be made. And finally, we end today with a report by Courtney Fallon. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right. Uh, She's a reporter for the NFL Network, uh, a Boston area uh, reporter, it looks like, Uh, possibly Cincinnati, trying to figure out. Looks like the NFL Network has her all over the place, but uh, she's based in New York and Boston. And so Courtney Fallon, uh, during the game today, uh, yesterday, uh, reported, per a source, Terrell Pryor is the only player on the Browns that is absolutely untouchable. They'll trade any All-Pro, not him, the value's too high. So again, any All-Pro uh, really points to the Joe Thomases of the world and maybe even Gary Barnage. But again, this report can't be that surprising. I think Thomas is the combination of uh, highest talent, uh, highest value in return. And so the Browns uh, could can't not listen on Joe Thomas. The problem is, is they really want to protect their quarterbacks. Again, whether that's Kessler, whether they draft somebody, they don't want another another David Carr type situation or even a, a Tim Couch situation where the lack of protection and a lack of weapons don't allow a quarterback to succeed. And so while Joe Thomas may be able to get the most uh, – assets in return, which obviously is going to be important in this process. He also is kind of the one, the most important players as the Browns look at their long-term plan. Now, if Sean Coleman, Spencer Drango, or someone uh, drafted early next year, they think, if they think they can protect the blind side of their quarterback and really believe in them, then again, Joe Thomas can be moved, but it'll be tough for them to move him without really feeling comfortable with who their quarterback is going to be, and so, or making sure that quarterback is safe. Joe Hayden, the other big name, uh, has a big contract and really hasn't backed it up. Hayden needs to be surrounded by a defense that puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So again, if he was in Denver, could he be a, a key to type? Probably. Tlaib is able to get really, really physical because 
Uh, Von Miller and the rest of the pass rush is going to get there pretty quickly, and he doesn't have to guard a lot of double moves, doesn't have to uh, stay in coverage for a long time. He can be really, really aggressive. Hayden does a very good job when he can be aggressive, but not so much when he has to go in coverage for long periods of time. We saw it yesterday in the game against New England. He stayed looking in the uh, backfield far too long uh, and got beat for a couple big plays, uh, at least one touchdown. And so um, that Joe Hayden could be traded is is reasonable. The problem is with his contract, I don't know how much the Browns can get in return for him. If they're not really sold on him long-term, getting anything would be beneficial. But I'm not sure a fourth-round pick or later for Joe Hayden is something this organization wants to do. Obviously, they want to upgrade that position. Trading Joe Hayden isn't a way to do that. And then you have guys like Joel Betonio, John Greco. Uh, the way the offensive line is playing, you could see them possibly being moved. But those are some of our best players. Just because the line's not playing well doesn't mean those players are at fault per se. And so those players, the offensive line, uh, before before yesterday's game against New England, led the top rushing attack in the NFL, even with three different centers. And so trading Thomas, Betonio, Greco uh, just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Not sure there's really anybody on the defensive line or in the linebacking core that could really make a big difference for another team uh, for them to be willing to trade. And obviously the secondary struggles greatly. Uh, it's a shock Tremont Williams is still here. He's not very good, so he's not really going to bring a lot back or maybe even anything back in a trade. And so that really leaves one name uh, to me that really does make sense. Now, Andrew Hawkins is another player that could go. Uh, again, not going to get a huge value for him, but could uh, be traded. But it's Gary Barnage. Barnage is really the right combination of production, age, contract and value for the Browns to move him. Whether they will or not is a different question, but he's not exactly Hugh Jackson's prototypical tight end, one who who is athletic and physical enough to block, but can also kind of run the seam routes uh, with enough speed. And so uh, Barnage is very good as a pass receiver, uh, does well uh, on hooks, outs, those kind of uh, balls. He's not the, the deep threat uh, scene guy that Hugh Jackson might like, it, like at the tight end position. He signed the very, very team-friendly contract uh, extension last year, which makes him very valuable. So a tight end who can catch the ball, who can uh, showed last year that he can make uh, enough plays to really be a threat, uh, especially as we saw with Gronk and Bennett uh, yesterday with New England. Uh, Barnage probably has a lot of value. It'll be interesting to see if the Browns can pull a second or third round pick for Barnage or some combination, maybe two thirds, maybe a second and a sixth, some kind of trade because his production, his contract really equal a lot of value. I think Barnage really is at the top of the list of players who the Browns could trade. I wrote about it on the Orange and Brown Report. Uh, you can read all of my writing there at theobr.com. Um, I wrote about that earlier in the season, before the season started, that that Barnage was maybe even going to be highlighted to kind of up his trade value. And so this report by Courtney Fallon shouldn't be that surprising. Terrell Pryor, they have no idea what kind of contract he should get um, based on one year and not even really one year, a few games. Uh, he's really been their only playmaker. So is he just a product of a lot of targets or is he that good? Um, but they're not going to trade him. 
are not going to find the value the same way the Browns and Pryor's agents are going to kind of struggle through what a good contract looks like for Pryor is the same way other teams would really struggle with what's the value in a trade. Joe Thomas, again, could be dealt depending on what the value is coming back, but they care about protecting their quarterback. Joe Hayden and the rest of the bunch really doesn't seem to be a ton of value there for the Browns to be willing to make a move or for another team to be willing to give the Browns what they need. So, again, Fallon's report seems like it's going to be accurate, but does that mean there's actually going to be a trade? Trades in the NFL just are a struggle to make during the season. But we've seen from Sashi Brown and the rest of the front office that they are willing to make moves. So don't be surprised if one is made by the Browns very, very shortly. No matter how much it hurts, as we continue to support a team that's 0-5. Again, this team is building for the future. Do you trust them? Do you believe in them even after a 33-13 destruction by Tom Brady Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, and the rest of the New England Patriots. I know here on Lockdown Browns and at the Orange and Brown Report, I do. I believe that the Cleveland Browns have laid a solid foundation for their future. The road on the OBR, the Browns have to figure out the quarterback position, have to figure out special teams, and they have to figure out their defensive coordinator. Is Horton good enough? Is Chris Tabor good enough? And who the heck is going to be their quarterback? If they answer those three questions this offseason going into next year, I think the Cleveland Browns can be competitive towards a winning record. And in year three and four, I think the Browns are going to make a playoff run and maybe even push for a division or conference title. Thank you for stopping by this Locked on Browns. Again, I am your host, Jared K. Mueller. Locked on Browns is a part of the Locked on Browns or the Locked on Podcast Network. So make sure you check out the Locked On NFL Draft, hosted by my buddies Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. They do a great job over there. And then the Cavs season is kicking off, so make sure you check out the Locked On Cavs podcast by Chris Manning. Good guy. Spent some time at Cavs Media Day with him. So make sure you check out, check out the Locked On NFL podcast and the Locked On Cavaliers podcast, all a part of the fastest-growing podcast network in the nation, the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, you can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by and go Browns.